0: If you appreciate this podcast, then thank and support today's show sponsor, Hexagon, and the folks from their Asset Lifecycle Intelligence Division. Hexagon delivers software solutions that prevent, detect, and remediate cyber threats, reduce process safety risk, and optimize profitability, enable trusted data for decision making, and even digitize your supply chain. This is industry-leading asset management software to extend asset life cycles and improve productivity built upon more than 30 years of experience and continuous innovation. Their goal is to help you maximize your return on technological investments, so Hexagon's global support team offers ongoing product upgrades and technology support 24-7, 365 days a year. Also, they provide superior instructor-led and virtual training services to help you get up to speed with your new solutions. Visit the Resource Center at hexagonppm.com to explore solution brochures, case studies, product sheets, videos, white papers, and more. And, of course, we'll post this web address in the show notes. Make better, more strategic decisions to extend asset life that increases safety and improves profitability with Hexagon. Well, folks, if you were a uh, fan of the uh, cartoon strip Peanuts by Charles Schultz, as I was a long time ago, you're familiar with Charlie Brown and Lucy and Linus and, of course, Snoopy. I'm reminded that it seems like Snoopy always wanted to write a novel and he always started, but he never seemed to finish. But every time he did start it, it always began with the same line. It was a dark and stormy night. Well, folks, today's podcast comes from Houston, Texas, and it is a dark and stormy afternoon. So that makes for difficulties uh, potentially with uh, electricity and internet connectivity and all that sort of thing. So I hope we get through this podcast. Uh, This is actually the third attempt, and uh, I hope it won't have too many pauses and interruptions. In this part of the country, we've had a little bit of a drought, so we're grateful for the rain that this brings us, uh, but it's definitely a dark and stormy afternoon and uh, also a little dark and stormy in my head as I'm struggling with a head cold, as you can probably tell from the voice. But as always, thanks for listening. We've had some good statistical data that tells us that a lot of you are listening, mostly in the United States, but all across the world as well. As a matter of fact, if you take the entire lineup of OGGN Podcasts, We're heard in virtually every country on the planet and makes us indeed the world's leading provider of oil and gas podcasts. Now, that may sound like a little shameless plug here, but it's not because the reason is you, the listener. And we just try to do our part by bringing worthwhile content. So I hope today's show is uh, no exception. This is the podcast dedicated to everyone coming home safe. And so today we're talking general workplace safety tips and I want to go over some things that will not only be a reminder uh, it's important that uh, we do that as you all know the three keys to learning is our repetition repetition and repetition but possibly introduce some ideas you hadn't thought about before you haven't discovered and uh, if you do discover such a gym or gyms I hope you'll contact me on LinkedIn to let me know about it. You can also contact me with the the ones that you think I missed. So here we go. First of all, who is in charge of safety? Sounds too simple. Dumb question. Why am I wasting my time listening to this? Well, here's why. Who is in charge of safety? Well, of course, everyone knows it is the HSE guy or gal or it's uh, the HR department or even top management. But here's my point. No one is in charge of safety unless someone takes charge. And let me rephrase that. If the person who's supposed to be in charge of safety doesn't have charge, then that means two things. If management from the C-suite all the way to supervisors down uh, don't support the folks that they claim are supposed to be in charge, then no one is in charge. And second, if this HSE person doesn't have the leadership skills to convey to every worker that it is everyone's responsibility to create, maintain a functionally safe environment, then good luck taking charge. Of course, policies and procedures need to be carefully crafted, but if they're not properly communicated and carried out, And only people with good interpersonal relationship skills can do that. If they're not carefully and properly communicated and carried out, they're not going to work. Policies and procedures are not in charge. People are in charge. And again, as I said, that, that takes a tremendous amount of leadership and interpersonal skills to do that. And that's the key role for people who are involved in safety. And we could probably uh, spend the rest of the the podcast on that, but let's move on. You can Google something like uh, top 10 safety lists, uh, which as a matter of fact, I did. So I spent a lot of time in research and now you can just listen to this short podcast and kind of get a good synopsis of it. So I hope that makes it uh, worthwhile for you to have listened today. But you can Google something like top 10 safety lists and you'll find several articles and that's exactly what you get. Top 10 list, top 10 safety tips, top 10 workplace safety tips, and that sort of thing. It's interesting to see uh, in these top 10 lists what some include that others don't. But for me, and in the time that we have today, all of the ones that they do include in all these lists and, and thus overlap is is what I find interesting So in one of these top 10 lists, I read from an insurance company and another from a major corporation with thousands of employees. And one of these articles, and I don't remember which one it was, one of them had this listed as number one in their top 10 list, and the other listed it as number two. You want to pause for a second and guess what it is? This might surprise you. Number one and number two in these top 10 lists was to be aware of your surroundings. And they both phrased it exactly like that. Be aware of your surroundings. Uh, another article from an online employment placement company didn't rank it at number one, but they did rank it as number seven. They called it know your surroundings. Uh, another article from a safety blog I uh, read uh, said exactly the same thing. And, you know, when you, when you think about, uh, let's say personal safety protection, when people get mugged, the safety expert says a, a lot of times it's because they weren't aware or they it's a result of what uh, personal protection people call situational awareness or rather not having situational awareness. It's important to know your surroundings and especially when it deals with safety in a workplace just like when a person goes into an area that there's a high potential for being mugged you've got to know your surroundings where the where the highest potential for hazard is where the where the worst places are so that you can pay particular attention uh, to assessing these risks so it's important to know your surroundings and this concept is uh, particularly important because The safety experts tell us that inattention is the thing that so often leads to serious injuries, and inattention is often caused because you don't know your surroundings. So that's number one. Number two, this one also overlaps, and it may, doesn't necessarily rank as number one or number two, but in all of the top 10 lists, it's included in there. And this one may surprise you, but it's the idea of taking regular breaks. And they say that many work-related injuries and illnesses occur because an employee is tired, uh, burned out, and again, as a result, not alert to uh, their surroundings. So regular breaks help a worker refresh. One trick that's often used is uh, they say to schedule the most difficult tasks when your concentration is best, usually first thing in the morning. Of course, in the oil and gas industry, these kind of complicated tasks aren't just in the first thing in the morning, they're all day long and, and all through the night. But because of that, it's even more important that you make sure that your employees get regular breaks and, and have a time to refresh. And even if you're not talking about jobs that are high risk, things like being in an office, not looking away from your, your computer screen on a regular basis, this causes eye strain. Bottom line, it's important to take regular breaks. This allows your body an opportunity to rest from the task you're doing. And then when you return, you're more focused and you have a higher level of concentration. And don't think that's a that's a waste of time. Uh, that will actually save time in the long run by creating uh, better efficiencies and less chance of accident. Now, let's talk about one that I'm sure all of you would include in, in your top 10 list. And you'll not be surprised by that but that uh, relates to the problem of uh, lifting objects and the injuries that can occur as, resu- as a result. And it's, it's always a good reminder to always go over this and, and to, to watch for this sort of thing. If you have to lift things, number one, keep the load as close to your body as you can. Number two, try not to twist your back. Instead, turn your whole body if you have to, to turn twist number three lift with your legs and not your back number four lift the load using a solid two-handed grip and five lift and lower materials in a smooth and steady way and try not to jerk now we've all we've all heard that before but here's a couple of important things that were pointed out in in the article and that is when it comes to this problem of lifting first of all don't be so quick to lift something Instead, take the time to get a forklift or a wheelbarrow or, or what other kind of medical aid is available, uh, mechanical aid is available, so that you don't need medical aid and use them and encourage others to do the same. Not only that, you can cut down on the risk of injury from carrying things and lifting things if you pay attention to your logistics and you have these materials placed as close as you can to where they have to be carried. So if if you do have to lift, keep the, the basic principles of safe lifting uh, in mind, but also try to avoid it uh, as, as much as possible. All right. Another one that appears on all the lists is uh, PPE, uh, proper uh, protective equipment. For example, did you know that more than 500,000 employees are sent to the emergency room annually for hand injuries? And many of these can be prevented if they just take some necessary precautions like wearing the right protective equipment on their hands. The OSHA standard on this states that employers shall select uh, and require employees to use appropriate hand protection when employees' hands are exposed to hazards such as those from skin absorption of harmful substances, severe cuts or lacerations, severe abrasions, punctures, chemical burns, thermal burns, and harmful uh, temperature extremes. So workers need to recognize hazards to their hands when working with sharp tools or knives. Uh, Proper handling of sharp materials such as sheet metal or glass uh, is important, but it may not be enough to prevent cuts and abrasions or even amputations, and so it's just often necessary to wear gloves, but not just any glove, and especially with all the new glove technology that's available to workers, uh, such as metal mesh, Kevlar, and other forms of specially coated gloves to handle glass and sheet metal, or even when performing uh, fine work such as using knives. Other things to take into consideration if workers are handling uh, contaminated materials, uh, asbestos-containing materials, lead-based paints, uh, they may need to use gloves specific to the type of chemical because not all chemical-resistant gloves are safe to use with all materials, and that's something you need to keep in mind It's very important. Also, with regards to pouring concrete or washing brickwork or masonry or spray coating and uh, staining cement, these may require special uh, chemical-resistant gloves. Working with hot substances, uh, sparks or flames, require the use of heavy-duty leather or fire-retardant material. And work with potentially energized or live electrical equipment will require gloves that are rated for a specific voltage as well. Then there's the, uh, with reference to PPE, there's the, the issue of eye safety. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, Each day, about 2,000 U.S. workers have a job-related eye injury that requires medical treatment, and about one-third of these injuries are treated in hospital emergency departments, and more than 100 of these injuries result in one or more days of lost work. Again, the OSHA standard, the employer is responsible for requiring the wearing of appropriate personal protective equipment in all operations where there is an exposure to hazardous conditions or where the This part indicates the need for using such equipment to reduce the hazards to the employees. And very often, uh, we have to to make sure that the safety glasses are are rated according to ANSI standards uh, because there are basically uh, three hazards as it relates to eye injuries. There's what's called impact hazards. Those are ones that result from flying or falling objects or sparks striking in the eye. And so eye protection for these hazards are safety spectacles with side shields or goggles. But if you're dealing with the potential for heat injuries that may occur to the eye and face when a worker is exposed to high temperatures or splashes of uh, molten metal or hot sparks, eye protection for these hazards are not only regular safety spectacles with side shields and gargles, but very often those with special purpose lenses. Chemical injuries often result from an appropriate or an inappropriate choice of PPE, and that allows a chemical substance to enter from around or under protective eye equipment. So it's important eye protection for those hazards are not only goggles and face shields, but also eye wash stations. And something that's often overlooked and not noticed Prescription lenses, unless they're rated according to ANSI standards, are not sufficient, and safety glasses are required to be worn over the prescription glasses. All right, let's look at another one that overlaps, and it won't surprise you, but that's the reporting of unsafe conditions. Now, while that won't surprise you that it's uh, in all the lists, the question is, and the tricky part is, how do you report? unsafe conditions. How do you respond to unsafe conditions? If someone sees an unsafe condition, does he or she report it and then just ignore it? Or is the appropriate action for uh, the worker to rectify the situation? And this may or not be possible or appropriate, but it has to be dealt with. You have to be sure that you know what you do when, when unsafe conditions are Reported, and how you're going to make sure that it gets corrected. But the tricky part comes with regards to reporting unsafe uh, work conditions is when you see another worker doing something that's unsafe. How do you report that? How do you respond to that? Because after all, nobody wants to be a snitch. Uh, you want to go along to get along. So as a result, do you remain quiet about it? because you don't want to create a confrontation and you want people to like you. Right. But you know, if you really like someone, if they're doing something that can hurt themselves or can hurt you or others, that really isn't liking them and being liked isn't that important when it comes to making sure everybody comes home safe. However, there are diplomatic ways to handle situations like this. For example, There's a big difference in sticking your finger in someone's face and shouting, you have a problem, you know, and you're not doing this safely and and that sort of thing. There's a big difference in that. Instead of calmly saying something like this, hey, man, I was thinking we may have a problem. So see, it's not you have a problem. Now it's we may have a problem. What do you think? And then you explain the situation. Another way is you can say, Hey, I think there may be a potential problem here, and I was wondering if you could help me with it. See the difference? As a matter of fact, understanding and using uh, this principle can help you in a lot of other potentially confrontational interpersonal relationships. And a lot of unsafe uh, working conditions can be avoided if you create good housekeeping practices. And that's something that shows up in the top 10 list. If your facility's housekeeping practices are poor, then it's going to create a lot of unsafe conditions. It's going to find employees participating in unsafe conditions and carrying out unsafe procedures. So proper housekeeping should be a part of daily routine. And especially as it relates to things that can cause slip and fall injuries. Did you know that according to the U.S. Department of Labor, slips, trips, and falls make up the majority of general industry accidents, which account for 15% of all accidental deaths per year? And that's the second leading cause behind motor vehicles. And we'll come back to that in just a minute. But of these slip, trips, and falls, about 25% of all reported injuries Claims per fiscal year are a result of this, and more than 95 million lost workdays uh, per year, or about 65% of all workdays, are lost. So make sure your ramps and your gangplanks have skid-resistant services. Prepare for weather hazards like rain, sleet, snow, night, hail, damaged or irregular steps, especially with no handrails. That's a very common cause for injury, including uneven floor tiles and bricks and transitions from one floor type to another. And the other thing that you have to, to try to be aware of, you know, your, your mother told you not to wear your wet, muddy shoes in the house. Well, you have to be careful about how shoes with wet, muddy, greasy, and oily soils can create a, a hazard for, for slips and falls. And then finally, a, a couple of other things. I haven't counted if we've come up with 10 or not. I don't, I don't think we're quite there, but another one that overlaps on all the lists, and you would think it goes without saying, but obviously, according to the injuries that occurred, it, it does need to be said, and that is using your tools and machines properly and taking all the proper precautions so that you don't take shortcuts. Because when you take shortcuts, you don't operate the machinery properly, you take a chance of getting hurt. Another way that shortcuts are often taken is using one tool in place of another for a specific job because you're trying to save time. And folks, if you don't have time to do the job right in the first place, when are you going to have time to redo it, especially if you're hurt? And so finally, as we mentioned uh, just a minute ago, slips and trips and falls are the second leading cause of accidental deaths per year. But remember what we said that's the second cause of fatal accidents per year. The number one cause is motor vehicles, and so motor vehicle safety is something that should be an essential part of your your safety program. Drivers should be trained in how to drive safely, and how to slow down in uh, conditions that require it or or areas that require it, like like parking lots, and how that they should never operate a car or any other type of machinery if they're not st- sober. Uh, staying sober uh, appears in, in these these top 10 lists. About 3% of workplace fatalities occur due to alcohol and drugs. And of course, we all know that this limits the worker's ability to exercise judgment, uh, coordination, motor control, concentration, or even alertness. It can lead to a number, uh, to any number of risks for workplace injuries and fatalities. So okay folks we are over our 20 minute mark so so we got to wrap this down like I said I don't think we quite got to all all 10 of them here's a couple of other things that are on many of the lists that you might want to consider reduce workplace threats uh, create and maintain proper lighting wear proper shoes that goes along with the PPE that that we were talking about you also need foot protection Inattention to electrical connections and cords and not having the right plugs and all of these sort of things, this often makes the list. And then one final thing to be aware of is to understand that when new safety procedures are put into place, you make sure your workers are aware of these new safety procedures. You make sure that they understand them and you encourage them that if they're not unsure about a new procedure to ask questions again, interpersonal relationship skills. Well, folks, uh, thanks for joining me on this particular podcast. I hope these things can be helpful to them, uh, to you, and that you can use them. Please tune in again next week for another edition of the Oil & Gas HSE Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Please leave us a review on iTunes, uh, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you listen to. Like us on LinkedIn and tell all your friends about us. We'll see you next time.